surprise, I'm releasing this week's episode a day early because everyone is entitled to one good Halloween episode. If you're listening to this episode the day it drops, I hope you have a wonderful and safe Halloween. And if you're listening to it after, then I hope you had a wonderful and safe Halloween. Death has come to your little town, but the best way to combat it is by arming yourself with the latest issue of Fangoria, one of the premier brands in horror. Fangoria has been delivering quality magazines since 1979, and each collectible issue features exclusive articles about your favorite monsters as well as up-and-coming terrors. Be sure to check out the Fangoria store website for subscriptions and a bunch of cool merch. And while you're there, use promo code WouldYouDieShow for 20% off your entire order. That's right, 20% off your entire order. Applies to subscription and one-time orders. Applies to the first subscription order only. Now, evil dies tonight. Look at that subtle off-white coloring. The tasteful thickness of it. The blackest dies. The devil's eyes. If you hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish, understand? Be my victim. Fuck the front line, bitch! Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. The air is cooler, the leaves are falling, October is ending, and like last year, this month is dedicated to slashers. I'm calling this month Slashtober 2 because these days you got to have a sequel. And, you know, that's a Scream reference, but we're talking. It's Halloween today. We're talking Mikey My My today. We're talking everything Halloween, everything we love about it, everything we don't love about it, because that's the best kind of Halloween conversations is with Halloween, you have opinions. And I have two of my favorite people on today. I'm joined by two multi-time returning guests and friend of the podcast. The first is the very first guest of the Would You Die podcast. He's been my friend for a super long time. He's an accomplished screenwriter and filmmaker with films like Ash and Bone, Some Are Born. There's a whole bunch that I'm probably forgetting right now. It's my dear friend, Brett Miller. And my second guest today is horror TikToker, podcaster, and writer whose work can be found in stuff like Fangoria and Ghoul's Mag. It's my dear friend, Vanna. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello, hello. Thanks for having us, Austin. Happy to be back, man. And I'm I'm super excited because it's funny. I had both of you guys talk Michael Myers with me last year on your own episodes. <laughs> yeah, I'm always excited to talk about Michael. Always. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, me too. And... If you remember, I, I sort of spoke to Jaws and Jaws being, I could talk to Jaws all day long. And I think that yeah. what I love about Michael Myers and what I love about Halloween is that Michael Myers is Jaws. He's Bruce the Shark, right? He's a machine. He eats and eats and eats until his food supply is cut off. There's no sort of rhyme or reason. So I always kind of like immediately think about how uh, there's sort of, there's those parallels. And that's sort of what draws me to both villains off the bat immediately. It's uh, that they're so similar came out yeah. similar times. I love 70s uh, horror movies. So, but yeah, they're very, very similar. So it's funny that we're talking, we talked to uh, Jaws and I couldn't help but bring up Michael Myers here and there. And now here we are talking to Michael Myers. So good, good and, for me. Yeah. And we'll probably bring up Jaws. <laughs> Perfect. You know, I love it. Absolutely. Uh, the first thing I want to ask both of you is because last year, if I remember correctly, when we recorded our Halloween episodes, 
we didn't talk about Halloween ends because it didn't come out. And I'm assuming we've all seen it at this point. And Vanna, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, you're making a face. <laughs> Do you want to go second? <laughs> no, it's OK. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. All right. What did you think of or Actually, I should say one year later. How do you feel about Halloween ends? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> well, I was uh, not the biggest fan coming out of that. My podcast co-host, Reina Cervantes, I, I love her to death. And she is a Halloween ends apologist. And so it's almost like a running gag at this point, her pestering me to like rewatch Halloween ends. I find a lot of value in it. Um, I think there's some interesting things going on. I don't think it's a great way to cap off the quote-unquote Strode saga, but I do think it is doing some interesting things with the uh, concept or like the meaning that Michael Myers has to a lot of people. I don't like it, but I have been itching to rewatch it and reassess my thoughts, you know, perhaps as its own film aside from the rest of the franchise. Since I just watched The Exorcist Believer, the other day it was uh having me thinking about revisiting some of david's other work but yeah not a huge fan but i do see some really interesting things happening yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> how about you brett what are your feelings towards it yeah i guess i'll be the opposing viewpoint here i so overall i definitely there was things that i wish they did better um it's certainly not my favorite uh halloween sequel but there's a lot of things I liked about it. And I actually, I did, if I had to say, if I liked it or didn't like it, I definitely liked it. There's definitely, I liked more than I didn't like. Um, for one, I'm a fan of uh, films that sort of take a shot and do something a little different and just sort of like don't bend down to everything that a surface level fandom really, really wants. I think we saw that through Star Wars is that mm -hmm. you have a trilogy that gets upended because fan service. And then all of a sudden the, the final movie gets so muddled because they're trying to appease the fans, but then also follow a story. And so I kind of like that they just sort of threw it out the window and they said, look, this was the series you planned. This is what we wanted to make. We're going to do it. I would say my number one complaint is exactly what you just said, Vanna, is sort of with the, uh, if Laurie Strode, it really felt like this was supposed to be Laurie Strode's trilogy. And I wish we got more Laurie Strode. I liked Halloween Kills too, and I had a similar kind of complaint. I wanted more Laurie Strode. I didn't need her in a hospital bed the whole time, but at least they gave us uh, at least they gave us fun stuff to sort of uh, have all the, the kills in Halloween Kills, right? So it's fun. The thing I really liked about it, and the thing that I thought was really really effective, I'm a huge Halloween Four fan. That's that's yeah. my favorite sequel by a Country Mile. Um, I know that the last four or five years, Halloween Three apologists are you know sort of come calling back, and as much as I love Halloween Three such a spooky uh, story the fourth one always got me because i always I, I think as a kid growing up just like being on the amc halloween 30 days of halloween 31 days of halloween kind of came up often and i was just so frightened by the ending the ending's just so scary to me even to this day and i think the theme of just sort of evil not disappearing but transforming and like just a generational trauma on a town i have a friend who's from uh she grew up not not too far from newton uh, or Newtown, excuse me, Newtown, Connecticut. And she says that the town is just a ghost town now because, you know, I might be generalizing a little bit, but she said that they they wear that. They wear the, you know, a decade later, they wear when such a tragedy happens in their town. And when I was watching Halloween ends, I couldn't help but think about that comment. And I just, I, what Haddonfield would have to become in the event of such terror happening and so many young lives being snuffed out like that. 
And while we can have fun with the tra- with the trilogy and, and have fun with the blood and the guts and the all the fun stuff that we love about horror movies, that kind of thematic element to Halloween Ends, I thought was so great and so strong. And I also thought it, it sort of helped remind us that at the end of the day, like the, the old, the lion who's king of the pride for decades and decades, at some point, a young cub comes up and knocks him off the cliff, right? So I did like that idea. I was able, you know, you have to suspend your belief a little bit with how much uh, power he has or how much uh, Allison's sort of being taken in by his allure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really thought that there's, that's what really did it for me was that was thematically what that meant, what the idea, how a town, how Michael Myers, you know, from the original Halloween where the idea of Michael Myers coming from nowhere, the most suburban community in the world, just seemingly coming out of nowhere. I love that theme, but then conversely, I love the idea and I love leading into the idea that a, a community created Michael Myers. So I think that sort of uh, juxtaposition is really cool. So overall, I like the movie a lot. Definitely felt like I, uh, I could have used a little bit more especially with Lori probably could have used even a little less Allison, but you know, she was, she had a great performance too. So I liked her a lot. I just think that I might've done something. I might've tweaked a little bit if it were me, but overall I like the movie. Um, and I like them all. I, I really, yeah. I think they're the worst to me, the worst, it's like, that's my Marvel, right? Like the worst Halloween. I'm still like, cool. I was cool for me. I'm, <laughs> I could, you know, I'm sort of a fanboy for that, but yeah. I can respect Halloween ends. I can respect the swing. I think, I agree with Vanna a lot more, <laughs> but, and I just rewatched Halloween ends a couple of weeks. I decided to watch the entire trilogy and I watched and I realized I, cause I was, cause I watched Christine recently and I love Christine. That's all timer for me. And I know there's a lot of parallels between Christine and Halloween ends. So Christine had me feeling good. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's time. Maybe it's almost a year later. I think it's time for me to reappraise Halloween ends and judge it for what it actually is and not what I wanted it to be. And then I think I'm I'm, I'm still not ready to do that because I didn't like it still. And I realized I didn't care for it when I watched Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills in the same night. And then it took me four nights to watch and finish Halloween ends. Sure. And I will say <laughs> I... I like Halloween Kills. I like Halloween Ends. And maybe I'm on a a little bit of, I know it's a little bit, maybe I'm on a little bit of hill here, but the 2018 Halloween, I thought for me did everything right. I loved every minute of it. I thought every single moment, I thought every decision they made was perfect. So even Halloween Kills, how much fun it is, I still had a couple of moments where I was like, ah, okay, well, I was hoping they would do a little bit. I was hoping it'd be a little more, you know, along the line that they had sort of set uh, narratively and and sort of, uh, I feel like they had, I feel like it wasn't doing the highbrow A24 horror, but it was still kind of dancing a little bit into like really good storytelling, really good characters and and, and, and giving us a lot of reason. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, I, I thought neither of the, the second you know, the sequels did it to the same effect um, because, but I think that's, that is sort of what tripped me up. And I don't know if it tripped you guys up too, was that the first one in that trilogy is excellent. It is so, so good. And I think that, I think that was a stumbling block for me uh, too. Yeah. It set the bar really high. And also, I think it also set expectations aside from marketing and uh, press like that the filmmakers did. That's for me is that like, I think everything they said they were doing is not what they did. It is like five years later, you know, after the inception of, of their trilogy, you know, we had they had a lot of roadblocks production wise, uh, you know, the country shut down and things. Mm-hmm. So I try to forgive some like 
things that come across as messy because of some like real life circumstances behind trying to film a trilogy like with such a huge gap in between but uh but I feel like personally what like my friend uh like I mentioned she she loves Halloween ends we keep talking about how we wish it was like the second one and then they did like a like a Bonnie and Clyde Allison Corey movie for like a finale <laughs> like I I like if like if we actually saw the torch past and then were able to move past it not like ending your movie on the torch pass like it's it's a little like uneven i guess as far as like what a trilogy should be but i do but like you said i do like that like the messaging comes across really good at the end but yeah i don't know i just wish they had like the full guts to like just go with Corey and like do a whole separate like spin-off almost um i think that would be fun but yeah I need to I need to actually revisit it. This these are all just my thoughts. Like I still haven't rewatched yeah. it since my initial viewing when it dropped on Peacock. So <laughs> so yeah, but I have I've had a lot of time to like sit with my disgruntled feelings, but not a lot of time, but I haven't been able to actually like put it back in my eyeballs again. <laughs> I do have to say I really appreciate Halloween ends because it it brought a lot of light back on Christine because of the um, parallels with that and like, like Corey Cunningham Arnie Cunningham they're not even trying to hide it uh, they love they love Christine and I think uh, there's a lot of love for Halloween season of the witch in Halloween ends and I do appreciate that I think David Gordon Green's a true fan but you know I also think Rob Zombie was a true fan and I have wildly different opinions on Michael Meyer than Rob Zombie does and then I think I feel the same way with David Gordon Green. And I think that's kind of the beauty of the character is I think we all have our own idea of what Halloween stands for. So I am I like that filmmakers can take swings, even if for me, sometimes they're a hit or sometimes they're a miss. I agree. And I think that a lot of times you see in a lot of studio filmmaking, there are no swings because they can't miss. They have to. It's your right. you're laying down the drag bunt because it's your only opportunity. And Austin, we've talked about it before, but I I, I adore Matt Reeves' Batman movie because it felt so fresh and it felt like he was making his movie instead of, you know, it's a similar kind of thing where like to David Gordon Green's credit, like, uh, you know, taking a chance while still be, there is a way to take chances and still serve the fan base and still get the fan base excited. And I think that's an interesting thing that this new trilogy did is that like me uh, who love, I love the first one. And then you hear so many people who love Halloween kills. And then you hear other people that are like, what a great idea for Halloween ends. Like they're, you know, there's a divisiveness, but there is also like room for great dialogue there. And it feels like everyone's yeah. kind of got their share in it. So I, I think that we, you know, we're lucky in the horror genre, I think in general is that like, there is more opportunity for swings and misses because like, I haven't had the opportunity to see the new Exorcist movie. Um, I've read about it. And I think the good thing about any sort of Exorcist, anything, is that they're going to have another, they're going to have many swings. They're going to take a ton of swings they, and then they're going to take more chances and they're going to go for it because we're, I'm, you know, I'm, we're going to see it. Like, I'm going to watch the movie. I'm going to see it in theaters, like, whether, yeah. no matter what I've read about it. So I think we're lucky with the horror genre that we have that. Um, filmmakers, you know, they have the, they, they don't feel as, I don't feel like they feel as sort of locked up with a bunch of people in suits telling them what to do as much because there's opportunities because we have a great fan base and you know a lot of creative people so. for sure yeah i think uh one thing i would like to come out of this new trilogy is also a little bit more respect on ron zombie's name because <laughs> i think i think he's someone who's always 
like swung for the fence like he always is his authentic self when it comes to his filmmaking and so that's one thing I think like now retrospectively now that we have more films that have come after his films came out I think I I wish like a little more people were a little more respectful because I think his Halloween 2 does a lot of what Halloween Ends is doing where it's kind of exploring the ripple effect of trauma and and so I think it's a really interesting film obviously it's it's also divisive but I also I love that these films are all divisive because I think a lot of people loving or hating is like way better than like if everyone went and was like "Eh," and then no one ever talked about it again I think it's so great to like constantly have these like discussions and that it's like making people think even if people are like angry it's like still making people think and and question things and reassess their favorite films like rather than just like there are so many films I I saw the last couple years where I'm just like yeah that's all right and then I like never think about it again and that's like sad you you want you want to keep thinking about it (laughs) completely agree yeah because that's how a film lives is uh when people keep talking about it and you can make a bunch of money opening weekend, but then who cares after five years? Like you could even win an Oscar. And if no one's talking <laughs> about it, like then what was it all? I mean, well, yeah, winning an Oscar is going to be nice no matter what, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's what's great about horror. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's other films in this, this way, but it's, it's cultural, right? It's, it's what yeah. we're experiencing and it's what we're enjoying and it's where what creates a dialogue and a conversation. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen like, you know, there's a lot, a lot of like the discourse around the end of Game of Thrones was like, people were so fired up about it, but then like the show, like the dialogue around the show as a whole, just like it was extinguished. And that's like the worst thing that that ending did was that now we weren't talking about how much we loved the show or where it lined up in the pantheon of HBO series the dialogue ended and like when it's you think of this huge cultural event for a decade that like everyone wanted to talk about on monday morning or sunday night like now like that's what we should all be shooting for and as filmmakers and as writers and as as creators like i think we should shoot for that not to just make something that's going to make people mad or but we also don't want to pander we want to create a dialogue so to rob zombie's credit uh and to david gorgarine's credit like they went for it they shot their shot and you know, at the end of the day, both of those filmmakers made films that are them unapologetically. And like, I don't know, like, I'm not a huge fan of the zombie movies. I prefer the second one way more. But at the end of the day, it's a Rob Zombie movie. Like, I don't really like, you know, I'm kind of grossed out by all of his movies. right? So, like, <laughs> you know, that's sort of like great. Amazing. Like, he he didn't try to just like cookie cutter himself into making a, a Marvel sequel that no one's heard of. Like, he made his movie. And I think that's cool. Again, that goes back to our conversation. I think it's great. Yeah. And I, uh, I respect the hell out of both of these guys. And I think that's exciting for the future of Halloween, which uh, which I think it's funny. Barely a year after Halloween ends, they're already talking about bringing it back for TV, I guess, which I don't like that. It's a movie franchise, but I guess you got to you got to evolve in order to stay relevant. So I don't know that much. But at the same time, I'm like, eh. I'd rather see it on the big screen, but like, like you were saying earlier, Brett, I'm still going to watch it. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting that they are purchasing, right. Or trying to purchase rights. Um, I know a 24 was trying, but they were, they lost, but I know that they did also purchase 
or they acquired like Friday the 13th for like a Peacock series. So I'm like, what were their plans if they were going to have Friday the 13th and Halloween under their belt? Like, were we going to get a oh. like Michael versus <laughs> Jason? <laughs> I don't know. That's I mean, possible. I'm interested to see where, I mean, like, I'm always a fan of like, like you mentioned, like seeing it on the big screen rather than like a TV series. Yeah. But I am still like so intrigued. Like I'm just curious. So of course I'm gonna watch it regardless. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially if they get someone exciting or someone like like a filmmaker. I mean, like someone who you might not expect. Or, you know what I mean? Like the like the director of uh, George Washington and uh, <laughs> Your Highness. David Gordon Green? No, Jeff. Yeah, no, I hear you. I definitely hear you. Um, I would. I wonder about the success of the Chucky series. I wonder if that was it. Was was at play for television? And we've seen it in the past, where like you had Friday Thirteenth the series. I mean, obviously, like Tales from the Crypt Forever, Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. But like you know, uh, Freddy's New Nightmares, and you know all, all the different. Like I said, the Friday Friday Thirteenth series, Masters of Horror, HBO from the early two thousands. Like I do feel like that there's a run of where they're trying. I wonder if they're trying to recapture um, sort of that sort of era. And I don't know if era is the right term, but I do think that the the you know the success of both the uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead and then the Chucky series. I wonder if they're going to try and do something similar to that. And you know, people are people are a lot more accustomed to like long form with the single narrative now compared to when like Freddy's Nightmares came out. It was like just anthology fun kind of thing. But I think audiences are a little more, I think we've built up a callus to being able to follow a single storyline over 60 hours of content. So I think that's what they're, I wonder, I wonder if that's where they're going with, but I did forgot about the uh, Friday 13th uh, acquisition, which now I'm like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I mean, I'd watch all of this if I'm being honest. I've, uh, I went on a little Jason kick last weekend because Friday the 13th was in October and it's like never, you never get an October Friday the 13th. But then like all this month, I just put it on AMC and it's like, oh, Halloween five is on. Then I'm watching Halloween five. <laughs> a lot of that. And I think something that I love about Michael Myers is he, he kind of like, stays the same but whatever movie he's in changes with the times so like he himself is reliable the only thing that kind of varies is his mask and boy does that vary but like like the rob zombie movies are completely different from like four five and six and then h2o kind of has that post scream feel and uh resurrection exists <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put that. That's how I would describe it as well. Yeah. yeah. But it's just like I um and then of course the original Halloween, like that that itself is from a whole different era. From the seven like you were saying earlier, Brett, the seventies were this amazing decade for cinema and for horror, especially, I think, because you get the exorcist, you get Jaws, you get Alien and um dawn of the dead and the omen and the texas chainsaw massacre and black christmas you get what i think is a lot of pillars of the genre in this decade alone sure and i not to not to do horror film you know theory 101 but i we all know that like the 70s was a really scary time for people that lived it right and there was and that we saw that in our entertainment we saw that in cinema 
And I think what Halloween did such a good job of is that it it sort of immediately was the crime and evil and violence is coming for you in your suburban town. It was the suburban movie. The difference between Texas Chainsaw, right? I went over there. I saw, yeah. I saw after it, right? Um, uh, the omen, right? The omen's the idea of uh, being found in, in a place where normal people aren't found, right? It's the, it's the, it's a position of power, it's influence, it's yeah. world travel. Um, you could even make. I know the poltergeist is just a year outside of what we're talking about here, but still, it's like I, you know, this guy removed the bodies. He brought it upon himself, and I think you're, you saw a lot of that in, in a lot of '70s horror and. Halloween was the one where it was like, it doesn't matter. He's in your backyard, in your happy backyard where you don't lock the door and you don't turn, you turn, you know, you let your kids drive, ride their bikes on the sidewalk. And like, I think that just really like was another sort of reminder that like people were frightened and people, you know, people didn't feel a ton of security in the seventies. And this was the movie that reminded, you know, or and freaked people out of like, it's coming for your home. It's coming for your kids. Do you know where your children are sleeping? You know, blah, blah, blah. But I do think that like, that's the best way for me. That's the best way to keep Michael Myers in his purest form, but in his, in the, in a more, uh, you know, with any sort of iteration that you have going forward is, is finding interest is continuing to find interesting, interesting settings and have, have the settings and time and people change around him while he remains a constant. Because to me, Michael Myers is the purest, scariest form of evil in that like i said he just exists and he just does what he's wired to do and he can't make right. a decision to do anything else he's like i said bruce the shark and so the idea is we will always have that right we're seeing world events hor horrible world events right now that like are pretty familiar 20 years ago and are pretty familiar 40 years ago and 80 years ago and like it's kind of the same thing we're dealing with the same level of like propaganda and vilifying different people and pitting each other against each other and bombs and guns and blah 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 and like we're always going to have like a level of carnage and evil in that way it's just like the times change like what we're what we're experiencing the faces change right like yeah. everything you know and so i think that's like that's the best way to handle michael myers a a michael myers or a jason Voorhees or a, a pinhead so you know and we're, we're, yeah. all these characters that are classic and are canon that we love dearly because of who they are I think the best part to deal with them is to add new settings, new time frames, and we start with prey. Also, we talked about prey oh, yeah. <laughs> to a boom in the face. I mean, it was amazing, right? It was amazing yeah. because they took this great character and they put him in an in such an interesting time frame, separate of the narrative, really, of her personal narrative. And we saw, and we had this great, you know, we had this great piece. And I think, like, for a character like Michael Myers, you can do that forever. You can do oh, that yeah. forever. Like Jaws, you can only, you really, I mean, the, the sequels are funny, but like, I mean. <laughs> It's kind of what it is. You're like, ah, I'm thinking I'm gonna get out of the water. I'm gonna move to St. Louis. That problem solved, you know? Like, right. <laughs> like there's no water here. I live, I live in Atlanta. No sharks problem here, right? No problem yeah. with shark here. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I, I think that that's, uh, that's obviously I'm being literal, but I, I do think that's that's what we see. And that's where I think a lot of these, a lot of Michael Myers and Halloween franchises definitely have an opportunity to grow. It's like, because we've seen them throughout different settings and throughout different time periods. Um, so there's exciting new stuff. I'm sure they'll, they'll work out. What do you think, Vanna, about the evolution of Mikey Mai Mai in the Halloween franchise? Oh, big, big question. Yeah, I 100% I yeah, agree with everything. I mean, that's exactly what my thesis was. A, I was like tracing the cycle of 70s exploitation to early 2000s torture porn, now to the late, 2010s i was focusing more specifically on like last house on the left and i spit on your grave and 
films of that subgenre. Um, but yeah, I think that's why I love Michael Myers so much. Um, I think it's a slasher, but I think thematically it it follows a little more into like it's I think closest predecessor would be Last House on the Left because of exactly what you mentioned about that the 70s being a really scary time like um what I mentioned you know Vietnam being the first televised war it was there was this idea that violence is finally now in your living room and then that's exactly what films like Last House or Halloween did was brought the boogeyman to your living room so I think yeah I think you know we already talked at great lengths about ends but I think that was the one thing that I really liked about it with uh, Corey and like there's like bullying. It's almost like it's got this very like suburban gothic, like the degradation of youth. And I think that's a very real fear right now. So I think, yeah, as long as they continue to try to pinpoint the fears of the time and kind of imprint that on Michael, which I think when I was on your episode last year about Michael, that's kind of exactly what we talked about. Like even the mask is a blank face because mm-hmm. Michael is a blank face for whatever the boogeyman means to you. Um, obviously the masks, you know, get a little weird in some of the sequels, <laughs> but I think that's, but I just think that's like a perfect symbolic stand in for exactly what he means to people. I'd be really interested um, because like this mainline uh, or like this recent trilogy, you know, kept it within like Haddonfield. I'd be interested to see if they took it into different settings. Like I know it's a little silly, but you know, Ghostface and Jason, you know, took Manhattan. But yeah, um, <laughs> it'd be interesting to see. You know, I, I'm wondering if that's kind of if they did want to continue after ends. If that's something that they would have done, like with Corey, um, almost like or almost like anthology style. Like, are we gonna see these different? It almost goes into scream territory, but where we have like these like copycat ghost faces and things like that, or like admirers. I wonder if Michael Myers admirers would be like a thing. I don't know, but we've seen some really interesting additions to the slasher genre with like terrifier and like things that are a lot more mean. So I wonder if if that might be where we're going we have a a, quite an uptick in like violence on screen happening so i wonder if if maybe michael will go that way he's always been a little mean but (laughs) yeah but yeah i don't know it's it's kind of interesting it's hard it's hard to say too i feel like you mentioned like things like 20 years ago and 40 years ago so like i wonder if it's going to be another like 20 years before we can like accurately say what's happening here but yeah, the, the kind of like cycle that slashers and horror goes through is so interesting to me. <laughs> I think, no, I think that's really interesting as well. And something about, you mentioned like Terrifier and how mean Art the Clown is, and that is a mean son of a bitch. I do think Michael has been, you could see like his gradual increase, like, well, his meanness has increased exponentially as the franchise went on and on and i thought halloween kills was basically a friday the 13th movie on steroids in a sense where michael myers is doing the jason thing and murdering a whole team of firefighters and going after elderly people yeah rock and roll um (laughs) and going after people in like like elderly people in their home and like I i love halloween kills i am a halloween kills apologist but at the same time, I do think it kind of he kind of follows that 
like Jason Voorhees, Art the Clown, sort of, I'm killing everything in my path as as rad as I can, <laughs> where I don't think you really see that from Michael as much previously. I think in the Rob Zombie ones, he's more brutal, but it's like Rob Zombie's sort of like hard-hitting sort of violence, like his grittiness that comes through. I agree. And I think that's sort of, I'm, I'm really happy you mentioned, Vanna. I'm really happy you, that you mentioned how the Terrifier movies, how they have that sense. And I don't know if it's Art the Clown specifically, you know, in this way. I think it's more of like the creative team and like what kind of movie they want to make. Because to me, like I, 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 I just recently was having a conversation about, I love all Evil Dead, but B-Day's Evil Dead versus Evil Dead Rise. I mean, they are just, the, they're, they could not be more different. Oh, and I, yeah. I love them both, but the 2013 always was a little bit tougher for me because it's he, all of his movies are really, mean, I would say, means the way I would put it. <laughs> they're really like yeah. kind of like pull the, you know, sort of uh, really get under your skin kind of thing. Even though they're both violent, I, I think there's definitely that feeling. And even Halloween Kills didn't give me that vibe. But I think if I had to pinpoint why the Rob Zombie ones I, are, are probably my least favorite in the series is because of that. It's because I... I I I get it get, because there is that visceral like almost like anger to them. It's almost like Rob Zombie. I mean, it's his style, you know, and it's it's his thing. And you know, I I, I like his, you know, I, his, you know, I like that he has his his style and is able to go with it. Um, not every one of his films are for me, but there's, I mean, there's he makes he makes great movies. But I just think that like when I get that feeling and I get that sense of like what we're trying to convey and what we're trying to be about, I felt bad for Corey. I felt bad for Michael. I was rooting for Lori. I, I felt, you know, there is a level of hope in those movies. There is a level of like camaraderie and togetherness. And I feel like even through like a Halloween kills, there are, there are certain franchises or certain movies that sort of bombard that and throw it away and just sort of say, we're going to gross you out. I'm going to make you sick because it's fun to make you sick. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Hitchcock had a right. thing with Psycho where he's like, I'm going to mess with everybody. <laughs> like, I'm going to get everybody. <laughs> it's a different art form. It's a different kind of thing. But I do think it's interesting um, to sort of consider that uh, there are, those Those are some of the bigger changes throughout the series, throughout the franchise are like, for me, almost all, even the most, if we exclude the Rob Zombie movies, we think of Halloween Kills or some of the most violent of the series, they still, I would argue the meanest and the bleakest is three, right? And they didn't have Michael mm -hmm. Myers in it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think it's just, I think it definitely comes across with filmmakers and it definitely comes across with thematically what people are trying to say. I mean, again, I think there's a re like the reason third one, it's like, you know, com consumerism, commercialization, commercialization and the idea that everything's bought and paid for and we're all screwed kind of thing is that's frightening. And like where a series might go next, you know, Vanna, you mentioned like the next kind of like, we don't know where we're at. I mean, I don't know where we're at either, but I'm interested in like technology. I'm interested in... Yeah like artificial intelligence, like what is, how does Michael fit into that fear of like, I can't trust what's on my TV anymore because I saw a video where that guy was kind of talking and now it's a little off and now I don't trust that guy and I can't trust my news because nobody trusts the news and nobody trusts this, nobody trusts that. That fear is where I would put Michael Meyer next. Whatever, outside of Haddonfield, in Alaska, wherever you want to put him, I would tap into some fears like that because those are visceral. And I think about stuff like that every day of, uh, you know, so anyway. I'm rambling, but um, I do think it's <laughs> fun to ramble a little bit, but um, I yeah. do think that there's a, you know, I do think that like we see, even with some of the films in Michael Meyer films where you can't quite, you couldn't pinpoint like what director did which one, shout out Dwight Little, appreciate you, man. 
for uh, Halloween four. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, I think part of it is like, you can tell that there's definitely like a connection of like, okay, we're not going to make these, these are not going to be last house on the left. This is, we don't, we, it's not a, you know, make you ill kind of movie. And I, and I think part of that goes to the characters and their, and the hope that they have and like the, the togetherness they have. And I think that's part of like, I think that's what a big part of what Deborah Hill brought to the original was the, the idea of this, this unit, this, 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 this team, um, both in the friends and then in the, with the, with the kids she's babysitting. So yeah, lots to chew on. Again, apologies for rambling. <laughs> You're fine. That's why we're here. <laughs> Halloween fans are going to ramble. I'm going to do a slight side little tangent real quick because you mentioned Fede Alvarez and he's doing an alien flick and I could not be more excited because I am ready for a mean nasty like like I want to walk out of that alien movie wanting to take a shower (laughs) yeah I'm excited for that as well (laughs) but this episode ain't about aliens so I'm not gonna stick on that uh too long but I but I might have mentioned this last time we talked Brett but I think the xenomorph at least in the original alien is in the same house as michael myers and bruce the shark i think the xenomorph is also a i'm going to kill everything in my path mindless like murder machine and i'm very happy with that alliteration that i accidentally just did <laughs> well I, if i could interject austin i think yeah, yeah, yeah. part of it too and it's not just by accident i think where they where the where, the, where good storytelling and, and good screenwriting comes from and good you know just good filmmaking is that it's not by accident right like bruce the shark shows up because more people are going to this beach community and they decide that the money is more important than the safety so they're feeding him right like alien they decided to go see that distress call not listen to the don't go there don't go there i'm calling my union rep not not listening to the people that actually have to deal with it they make decisions and they're proactive in their doom similar to halloween the idea that like no one took loomis seriously no one wanted they they just were like ah we're gonna put him in some hospital we're gonna forget all about him this is free Reagan, right? So like back when, back when, uh, you know, even there's less excuse to not care for uh, mental uh, health, but you know, there was so much like uh, such a big part of it was like, okay, here's what we're dealing with. We're not listening to the people who know better. We're just worried about the bottom line. We're worried about, and a lot of times that's the dollar, right? We're worried about the bottom line. We're worried about the dollar. We put this upon our own communities. In a sense, we deserve this. And I think that's what makes that sort of mindless killer work as opposed to just, I don't know, I woke up one day and here's a villain. I didn't do anything wrong. Even if it's not the single character, I think the worldview always has to be a sort of reckoning uh, in that way. And I think that's where all those movies come in. Similar with your boy, uh, uh, the T-Rex and Jurassic Park. It's the the exact (laughs) same thing. You got anything, Vanna? I don't know how to add to that, but yeah, I think I think that's something that's always been interesting. I think that kind of tracks into the 2018 Halloween. I think like something about they they do a lot of focusing on the facility that he's in. You know, of course, I think something that's always really interesting when it comes to like teen horrors, like you know, this is like the babysitter murders, is like the absence of adults. Like aside from Loomis, like running around like a madman trying to get someone to listen to him. There's not like where it's almost like 
peanuts it's like where are the adults yeah. uh, you know except for nancy's dad because he's the police officer if he yeah, wasn't yeah. a police officer like he's he's only there because that's his job but it's like where are and i think that's kind of like a big thing about the 70s too like lost youth it's like where are these people who are supposed to be taking care of us and like children are taking care of children which is what babysitters are <laughs> they're children taking care of other children so i think that's another thing that's always really interesting like i love I love me a good like critique of the healthcare system. Like, so I think that's always something that's been interesting, but, but yeah, I think also just like adults, which I think again, tracks into Halloween ends, like with (laughs) bullying, it's like, I think Lori is like one of the only adults who's like there, like to when Corey's being bullied and, and things like that. So I think that's always another interesting little nugget when it comes to Halloween too, is just like adults, which always goes into generational trauma because that's who handed us, you know, our trauma. Mm-hmm. And you um, grow up, you grow up when you're a child, you eventually, you become the adult and you become the broken adult when you were the kid left alone. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think, I think that's one of the things that was kind of like interesting about Halloween ends was like the time skip because like with Allison, like thinking about how she was a like a teenager like they're in like high school and like yeah. high school halloween parties and now she's like this adult running off with some weirdo i don't like i think that's uh something that kind of uh maybe i, I didn't fully appreciate like i don't i didn't really care for her character too much but like thinking back on that that exact comment of like kids having to grow up it's like that little makes a little sense as to why allison's a little you know, not doing too hot. <laughs> Last time we saw yeah. her, all her friends were dying. Um, so yeah, I think that's having to grow up when you're a kid. Um, I think you know, seeing characters like Tommy and Lindsay and and things like that. I think I also haven't watched Halloween Kills since that one came out, so it's been quite a quite a bit. But I think that's always you know bringing back legacy characters, quote unquote. I think that's always really interesting to see the kids <laughs> now that they're yeah. adults. <laughs> Yeah. And I think I also wonder too, sort of to, you know, to that point, I think it's interesting because I think thematically, a lot of times when you think back to the original Halloween, the kids taking care of kids, you think about the original, I think both it works to me, both literally and figuratively, it works figuratively in that, like you said, it's this idea of like, you know, a brave new world for the country as you're like all of a sudden facing these threats or seeing these threats and seeing this violence that you had never seen before. You almost feel childlike. And then it works literally in a way, I mean, I'm, you know, my folks graduated high school 79 and like, they talk about all the time, like sort of making jokes when I was in high school, you know, I, I had pretty good freedom, but even they were like, they're like, our parents used to like go up North for like weeks at a time and just like, let you guys go to high school or let, you know, they'd let my, yeah. their parents would let us, you know, let, would let the, my, like my parents um, just like live at the house for weeks. And then they would just like go to <laughs> high school and be allowed to do that. And I'm like, I had to carry a walkie talkie with me like around the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like the difference yeah. is like, and it's from experience, but it's also because like, I think a lot of times there's whether or not it was actual events, whether or not it was entertainment with a Halloween type movie or whether it was a, you know, your good old fashioned satanic panic, whatever it was, I think a lot of things sort of changed um, our perception because I don't know if I, I mean, I, I grew up in a super safe place, like nothing really to worry about, but there was that, in you know my folks grew up in a way worse place than i did right so (laughs) that's just it's just funny kind of how that turns so i think there is that interesting idea of like both what halloween set 
and then goes into with Halloween ends in a similar way. It's like, we see it both almost, it works in a literal sense and it works in a figurative sense as well. And I also, I, I do think back to Allison of like, you got to imagine, like, I know she was like really well to do. She had a lot going for, I wonder like, if she doesn't, if that tragedy doesn't happen, she doesn't lose all, lose all her friends. She doesn't lose her childhood or innocence. Like she's probably not still in her hometown drawing blood. She's probably at like, you know, she's probably getting, finishing up her dissertation, right? She's probably yeah. at the city. She's probably doing all these things. So like seeing her revert back to like almost like a 15 year old who wants to date the bad boy. Like you said, a retrospective on that, even to, even in this moment, I'm like, that's kind of make a little more sense when you think about it because she's she's reverting back to childhood when she was when when she had control over something anything right so yeah and, i wonder uh, maybe again maybe it is a retrospective yeah. i think that's really interesting you bring that up because Lori reverts as well because in 2018 she's established as being kind of like a survivalist recluse with like all the guns in the world and having like fucking trap doors in her hot, like super ultra prepared. And now she's making pumpkin pie. Like uh, it's a <laughs> Halloween tradition. And it's like, you don't celebrate Halloween. We know, but she's reverting back. And it's, and like, she's pulls out the switchblade to stab the marching band. I think that's part of the reason why the movie loses me is because I was a marching band kid. And <laughs> I just, that's, that's the fucking reason that that's a, the thing that takes me out of the movie is I can't take that seriously. I just, when, when the kids just like, I'm in the fucking marching bit. I'm like, come on. We all have like anxiety. We're not bullying anyone except for our, ourselves. And our, our way of bullying is like, <laughs> I can play a higher trumpet note than you. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> come on. We're not March high school. Marching band kids are not like getting into fights with 20 year old convicted murderers. Are not convicted, but like accused. <laughs> I always thought, uh, yeah. So I guess so. You're telling me it's more like American Pie. Then you're telling me that's a more realistic, uh, a, a more realistic <laughs> picture of band life. Uh, Honestly, I, yeah. I'm just curious. I'm just curious, Austin. I don't <laughs> mean, know. I, I can't. Mean Girls, any... American Pie, like band kids are wild, <laughs> but not not in that sense. Not not in the way Halloween ends portrays us. And I honestly. I appreciate it's not the stereotypical football players or sports people, but I, I just can't take them seriously. <laughs> but uh, and I, I forgot my initial point. Oh, yeah. Um, Lori, you know, gives the switchblade to Corey and she they stab their tires. So Lori's reverting back to like a teenage like her original. And even then, she wasn't that rebellious in the original Halloween. She was the one that like, I mean, she did smoke, smoke a little weed listening <laughs> to Blue Oyster Cult, but she's like coughing up a storm and poor uh, um, Annie. Annie, thank you. I was thinking because the actress's name is Nancy. I'm like, it's not Nancy. That's the actress's yeah. name. And Annie's just like, dude, my dad's going to see you coughing up a storm. <laughs> but um, but I think it's interesting that even Lori reverts back to her youth after that trauma because like allison lost her mom Lori lost her daughter and they only have each other yeah i wonder if she's trying to fulfill like a trope too i wonder if like consciously or, or, or subconsciously she's trying to give her ailing granddaughter some sort of like normalcy so she's like thinking back to the home home and goods type uh magazine yeah. in the 50s of the cutting the using the butcher knife to cut the pie right with the i wonder if I wonder if she's doing that both 
on purpose to try and give her granddaughter a sense of normalcy or if she's just subconsciously doesn't feel like there's a threat anymore which i think is interesting and that could be a plot hole or it could just be it could be them trying to say something more that like even though we didn't see michael destroyed uh she feels safe when she didn't feel safe for so long um, i suppose that might be another conversation but I, I wonder yeah i wonder if she was doing that i wonder if she was if she actively felt like everything was fine so she wanted to act like almost like that uh perfect grandma or if it was just sort of a defense mechanism that she didn't even realize she was doing yeah because like she could be in denial right so yeah like a fake it till you make it <laughs> yeah exactly like, you're gonna pretend pretend it's okay until it's not uh, yeah which i guess maybe that's why that's another reason there's a time skip because if she's gone like a couple halloweens without something happening maybe she's like all right it's finally time to you know pretend everything is okay i i but, um, I, I think that might work yeah I'm sorry go ahead i was just gonna say it's interesting like if she was like thinking about like if she is reverting or like trying to mimic something that allison needs but like thinking about how long it's been because even with her daughter they kind of talk a lot about how she wasn't really like the stereotypical mother so thinking about how long it's been or maybe the only person she has to mimic is her mom from when she was a teenager so thinking about like the type of behavior she's mimicking is like 40 years uh, outdated so I think that's another thing like I think that's something I can probably relate to I think like sometimes when your mom or dad tries to relate to you and you're like dude that's no like people are not doing that anymore. like but it's because they're trying to mimic something like from their childhood and it's like there's too much time in between and and so it's almost like a weird uh yeah i don't know like like walking like i guess to quote me like watching a dog walk on their hind legs or something it's like it's just so unnatural even though they're trying to mimic you know what they think you need um i just think think is interesting because you know, she was a teenager and now it's been 40 years later and like, you know, what, what her mom have done, but like, we don't even know what her mom was like. So yeah, I don't know. That's a, a thing I never really thought about. So I guess, I guess it's time for a good old franchise rewatch again. Yes, <laughs> the whole the franchise. Trilogy, but yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, now in its entirety. <laughs> that would be one hell of a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like 30 hours in movies. <laughs> um, I would like to show. I'll show my wife the uh, the Paul Rudd the Halloween Six and be like, "Look, Paul Rudd. He looks the same, and he cursed Michael Myers. You never, you know, or he's saved yeah. from the curse of Michael Myers." But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe he made a deal with the devil himself. You know, <laughs> looks. The same. I love. I love how. And you're absolutely right. I love how he got his start in that. And I think it's crazy that. You're absolutely right. He does look the same. Uh, <laughs> maybe, this might not be true, but I think I heard that for Halloween Kills, they tried to get Paul Rudd to come back as Tommy Doyle, which would have been really fun, I think. But I guess they couldn't make that work. I hadn't heard. I hadn't heard that. Vanna, had you heard that? No, but I think if that did happen, it would get a whole extra star from me. <laughs> that's very like i would have enjoyed it like a little yeah. bit more <laughs> and i do gotta say i did watch halloween ends recently and while i still it's not for it's not my cup of tea that's fine i do want to recognize and i give it a lot of credit um it had an uphill battle to begin with 
no matter what it decided to do, because what I think is a big strength of Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills is Haddonfield itself, like the cast of minor characters. It kind of feels like Springfield uh, in The Simpsons. Like they all have so much personality. They're on screen for two seconds and you love it. And then Halloween, Halloween Kills, Michael Myers literally kills two thirds of the cast uh, and is like, you're kind of left with scraps for Halloween ends no matter what you do. Which I think is the point. I, I just, when you, yeah. they have all those sweeping shots and they shot it in a different city than they did the other two, right? So they wanted to show like businesses gone and infrastructure, yeah. right? They shot it in Savannah, right? They shot the other two in Charleston. They shot this one in Savannah. And I love Savannah, right? But they mm-hmm. they made a point film in places, you know, that are, are a little more derelict, a little more forgotten and a little sadder yeah. because they wanted to show that like, everything you remember about Haddonfield is gone. Your fun, the fun characters you like, uh, the interesting, you know, architecture here, these businesses, this, this business district. No, there's nothing there anymore because no one, and this goes back to my, my friend's anecdote back in Connecticut of this idea of like no business, people don't want to go to school there. People don't want to raise families there because of all this trauma that happens with no businesses, there's no work. So everything, just people that stay in a lot of ways have no choice, right? And that breeds more like hatred. It breeds it breeds more evil. It breeds more just bad. So I, I I just I think that's part of the point is to sort of eliminate a lot in Halloween Kills to really isolate our characters and to really change our setting. Again, whether things like that work or not is subjective. We can all agree or disagree. Oh yeah. But I think that's I think that's what they were going for. Um, is 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 finding all these characters we're in love with, right? Like. You know, they could have kept Dylan Arnold around if they wanted to. They, nope. All the, you know, they killed Judy Greer. They, they, they yeah. make a point to, to take out everybody we, we sort of have fallen in love with. And I, again, I think that was to set up the third movie um, in the way to really isolate our characters. Um, and like I said, our setting. I wonder, I wonder you know, since we were talking future, about like the future, um, I, wonder, um, I wonder if, that's an interesting point, point, thinking about like kind of almost like a ghost town, um, living in a, in a place like that myself, um, you know, like I, you know, like I always like connected a lot with, uh, things like Texas Chainsaw and things like that. So it'd be interesting if maybe in the future, like the paddle field itself, you know, you know, because I think of the Chainsaw, like Chainsaw and why it classified is that it is, you know, people are out of jobs and, um, so now there's a disdain for travelers because of the way the way their town is water. I wonder in the future, like like if Haddonfield itself became almost like this almost like ghost town ghost town where where now now fodder has to be traveled like things like that. Like I wonder if that would be an interesting future for like I mean it kind of you know, it takes away the whole suburban, suburban paranoia of the living room, but it'd be interesting. Like now, now nobody's here. So yeah, if it was almost in the future, in the future we got almost like the Chainsaw style where had a feel so dead. Someone's coming to visit their great grandma Lori. I'd love to comment. I'd love to comment. Yeah, yes, please. She makes a great point. So, Vanna, you make a point about 
like how interesting it would be if Padden Field even went more down the rabbit hole and became that Texas Chainsaw Massacre type town where there's literally nothing left except for the people that like live in the dirt kind of thing, like our, mm-hmm, our, our mm-hmm. sort of uh, Texas Chainsaw family. I, I love that idea. I think that would be great. And I think we're seeing it in a lot of the way that the middle class has been completely extinguished. I think we are we already are seeing a lot of that. And I think that would be such a great way to match, again, matching Michael Myers and the Halloween series with the time. I think I would either do something like that or I would also do something almost in the complete opposite where like you still have some of like the sort of degradation of what the town's become but now you have a giant Amazon warehouse in the back, right? With Amazon HQ, where Mm -hmm. now you have another monster that's taking over, right? A faceless, I guess not for them, but like a a, a (laughs) giant conglomerate who Mm -hmm. comes in, takes everything out from this population, spits it out and leaves, right? We're from Metro Detroit. So, I mean, that's what the big three did in and around this exact same time when the first Halloween came out, right? The idea of this happy Haddonfield place was only four or five years away from going, you know, to Mexico, frankly, like is what mm-hmm, happened. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I think that would be really interesting. I, I I imagine like the idea of like mixing like Haddonfield as like your Texas Chainsaw idea and then like, but adding like Robocop to it and adding that <laughs> corporation and that CEO that's like, let's keep doing it. Let's make this like the the town, like let's, we're, we're pr- putting this up as like new technology, new jobs, new skyscrapers. We're going to buy, we're going to put a, football stadium in the middle and the taxpayers <laughs> will pay for it, but it'll be great and everything and then you're sort of building off that as this idea of, this, of continued you're terrorized by michael myers literally and then like thematically this town continues to get sucked dry by another force over and over and over um so i, that, I think that's super super interesting um like, like i said the sex chain something but i also wonder about in, incorporating again you know i'm a sucker i'm a sucker for uh movies where the villains are uh People are things that chase after money for over over human beings and human life. That's always a that's a f- infuriating thing for me. So like those are the kind of movies and the themes that stick with me. So I wonder if that would be like another step for Haddonfield. Because I can imagine the mayor being like, you know, it'll get them. Let's put casinos in here, or let's do. <laughs> they'll find another like monorail. Let's build a monorail, let's right? Build let's a monorail. Simpsons monorail. <laughs> I built them in Ogdenville, you know, and it, you know whatever his song is. Um, we know, we know. know Michael Myers attacks are up, but the casinos will stay open for business. <laughs> yeah, I wonder exactly. if, uh, if on that point, a series might actually serve um, the Halloween franchise, where as where we're at now, post Halloween ends, like to really explore the world of Haddonfield, like all the different pockets and crevices, and all the different people and and things and um you know maybe both of those stories are happening in a series like on separate sides of town and so yeah i think maybe a long form like form of storytelling might be interesting to really explore haddonfield as a as its own like universe i think i think universe or multiverse was a word thrown around after um the rights were (laughs) acquired so Maybe that is something that they're exploring. But also I think the new Texas Chainsaw did kind of touch on like gentrification in a in mm-hmm. a very surface level way. But but yeah, I think I think that is a specific thing, like you mentioned with the disappearing of the middle class. I think that is where a lot of things are gonna go. I think again on that cycle, we're right back where we were when a film like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out. <laughs> 
It's exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wonder too, because to me, I wonder, I think the, I, I, I argue that the, that cinema fans and, 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 and especially the horror community, I think we're a pretty smart bunch overall. And I think that like, I liked the new Texas chainsaw. I thought it was fun, but to me, I was like, oh, like you said, they didn't really attack it that much because they could have gone way deeper. And I think this is where a Halloween type movie, especially when we had a trilogy where people were the, I mean, we're talking about this. We're having a dialogue about it still, yeah. you know, and, you know, and we're going to continue to have that dialogue. I feel like, if, I feel like where the new Texas Chance of Massacre was like, it was making fun of kids who use TikTok, right? It was making fun of like this mm-hmm. idea of being the overtly like, we can make a commune. It can be, you know, it's overtly yeah. it's making fun of like the, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, the absolute topsoil, right? Um, but I think that horror audiences, and I think that, you know, I, I think especially Halloween fans, I think they can, I think we can dive in. I think we can really get into the idea of getting even deeper and deeper into some of these sort of uh, societal over, you know, sort of over, overdrops or, or sort of uh, overhangs, excuse me, uh, of where, because at the end of the day, if you have Michael and you have an interesting, like I said, an interesting setting or you make an interesting space, we're going to be excited about it. And I think a lot of fans are have the ability and are willing to do a little bit of extra work to dig in and read through and listen, and pay attention to what's on frame and what we're learning and yeah. what to digest. Um, I think people do a pretty good job of that within our community. Uh, so I think that they have a good opportunity there because again, I like the new Texas Chainsaw, but I do think that like they could have gone deeper and I think we would have mm-hmm. accepted them for it. I think a lot of times people can, I think more often than not, it's that we, is that a lot of these these stories don't go far enough. I mean, that's what makes, I mean, The Exorcist is the great, I would argue, one of the greatest to ever do it. But a big part of it is because it was, so, it was such a great film on its own and it had so much there from, yeah. you know, with, with, with the Catholic Church and with just this individual one man's faith and his guilt towards uh, his family. It's so much great stuff there. Like, we want to have it. We, we want to really dig into that. And then you throw in the great, the guy with the big butcher <laughs> knife and running around. Exactly. And, you yeah. Know, we're willing to do that, right? I think a film that came out recently that I thought I thought it did a pretty good job diving into heavy topics was the new um, the 2021 Candyman that came out a few years ago. My thing with that, however, is I don't know if it worked all the way because we're not really talking about that movie two years after the fact. Like, I haven't seen it. Like, we're still talking about Halloween as a trilogy. And sure, Halloween Ends just happened last year. I don't think anyone talks about the new Candyman. I see a lot of people talking about the original. And the original wasn't afraid to, like, like the original gets into it, too. But I also think that film lends itself to gentrification and just all that sort of stuff. Anyways, it took it. It took the it took the baton for sure from the first Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I think um, I think that film probably suffers from the same kind of issue with the new Texas Chainsaw. I think because we can all relate to this idea of trying to tackle class issues and trying to tackle gentrification, mm-hmm. but they are pointing fingers at the wrong people. I, mm, as I a poor yeah. person, I'm not worried about some artists like art gallery i'm not worried about some kids on a bus with a tesla i'm worried about like old white men in like office or you know like like you mentioned right. like if there was like an amazon warehouse like like take it to like take the slashers to men in suits not like some kids partying 
on a bus because they right. have a little bit more money than I do or uh, artists and like there was a lot going on obviously because they're in Caprini Green but it's like it it kind of like demit like the blame was being shifted onto someone where like I think we like you said we're pretty smart I think yeah we, we want Mikey to go after who's actually in charge who's actually to blame not the people who are also just existing within the world that those people are creating so i think it take it one step further it might be weird to see michael myers in a uh i don't know in an office building killing a bunch of uh ceos like that might be a, an odd setting but but mm -hmm. i think you know just to point out what all of these different films that are trying to tackle an issue like that like they kind of just miss the mark just a little bit but again how much of that is because the people who might be funding the films are the villains in question that's what <laughs> um, we're talking about <laughs> you know yep yep so uh you know so i think i obviously studio interference and like sometimes films don't take it all the way because you know risk risk is not a uh you know a word that you know, people funding things like to hear, but yeah. So yeah. I think, I think there's these little nuggets in all of these films, but we could take it just a little further. My feeling, <laughs> uh, I agree with that entirely and I'll, I'll be quick. I'm sorry, Brett, but my feeling on the, and I, th I, I do agree with you, especially on the new Candyman. I feel like it was like too many people, like I felt it had the energy to go there but too many people had a different idea of where there was. So it didn't really go anywhere. That's how I felt with that one. Um, but I think with Mikey, we could go anywhere and we could go there. <laughs> sure. And I, I, I actually, I wonder, I, I love, I had not yet thought or, or sort of had considered the idea of that sort of comparison to the newest Texas Chainsaw and, and the newest Candyman, because I think you nailed it. And I think that's what I was frustrated. I gave, I did. I, I think I expected more out of Candyman, so I was more frustrated with it, and then, yeah. and I expected way less out of the Chainsaw, so I gave it a little <laughs> bit more credit. Right? I, both yeah, yeah. of them, I think, probably <laughs> are, are similar uh, in a lot of ways. But it also it's a reminder of even for a, a lot of the criticism that Halloween Ends gets with how they sort of had Corey supplant Michael, and you don't see Michael Myers until the first four or five minutes or so. Candyman, I would argue. I mean, he might not be, top, he's not top three, but he's, you know, he's an iconic horror villain, yeah. right? He ain't oh, Dracula, but, you know, he's an iconic horror villain. And I feel like that's a, something that, like, where Halloween ends was able to sort of circle back and get back to, there's the mask, there's the butcher knife, there's, there's who we came to see. Whereas I felt like a lot of what Candyman could have sort of fallen back on and sort of rested its laurels on a little bit was if they relied more on the character we love and we know instead of, yeah taking 10 minute scenes explaining having people that know everything about gentrification talk to each other about gentrification mm -hmm. just yeah, so yeah. tell us the audience mm -hmm. Give me, you know and and you know we talked about the tony todd at the end but like i still like I, you know it's like that to me didn't get nearly enough of the same sort of flack that halloween ends did when i thought halloween ends actually did more fan service by giving us you know even though they tried to take a shot whereas Candyman, it was like we're not going to give you a ton of uh, we're not going to give you a ton of him as he comes along. And then we'll give you a little Tony Todd and then we're out of here kind of thing. Different movies, totally different story modes of storytelling. So it's not totally fair to compare them. But I do feel like at the end of the day, like, you know, the audience really wants to see the villain, the audience. That's a big part of the horror. Like, these are our superheroes, right? I'm not a huge superhero guy. 
this is my Spider-Man. This, I want yeah. Spider-Man and, you know, I don't need a Mary Jane movie, right? I, I mean, maybe, maybe I do. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but I, you know, <laughs> we want to be able, we were, right. that's, that's what we, that's what we love about it is at the end of the day, like we still want to see Michael Myers. And I do love the idea of Michael Myers getting loose in, uh, in uh, the, uh, the RoboCop headquarters. That's, that's, that's <laughs> yes. I do think that, uh, that should be the next step. Um, like you mentioned, but in the office building, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think that, like I said, audiences are smart. I think we're going to want to, yeah. I think we're, we have a lot of opportunities. I think they're, they're you know, I'm sure they're going to have to find new, they're, they're, they're need new stories. Like I think at this point, the best thing about the newest trilogy in a lot of ways, now that it's all said and done is that I feel like we could have done more of Laurie Strode, but Laurie Strode's story has been told. Jamie Lee Curtis gave us, gave us performances in three movies. She's doing great work all over the place. She's off. So now what? Now let's see what they really, and again, they just sold, I mean, they just, it's a, it's a huge, the rights, they spent millions and millions, and millions of dollars on it. They're going to, they're going to have to come up with something new. And I think they will. And I think as long as they sort of like, I think, as the, I think the fans are, are sort of, if we can keep ourselves from becoming that toxic sort of Star Wars base that sort of ripped Ryan Johnson apart, yeah. if, we can, if we can just sort of like enjoy or not enjoy and then get ready for the next one, I think like there's a lot of great stories to tell. Um, and we all get to see our favorite, uh, our favorite William Shatner face, right? The old, <laughs> yeah, the old yeah. white William Shatner. <laughs> I love that. I think we'll uh, we'll start to start to wrap it up. I'm not going to ask you guys uh, if you guys would die because it's Michael Myers. We already know the answer, and plus, you guys have answered it already. So, shameless plug to episodes re-recorded last year. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, do you guys have any closing closing thoughts? I do not. Um, uh, other than thank you so much for having us, Austin. Uh, at the end of the day, like I love talking. I guess this is a, I guess this is closing thoughts. Um, it's <laughs> it's super fun to talk horror movies, right? It's super fun yeah. um, because there's just so much. We just we release so much when we're able to just sort of face our fears. It's the it's the going on the roller coaster to get excited. It's it's competing against someone it's it's having stakes it's it's caring about something and then it's you know seeing it burn down sometimes but then getting on the other side so like horror movies do a lot for us it's fun to talk them it's fun to make them it's fun to fun to read about them it's it's everything everything about it it's great and you know it's always good to jump on platforms uh to sort of meet new people and uh be able to 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 let me go on and on and on forever um, so really do appreciate it this is a great this is a great format really appreciate it and uh yeah i love michael myers i'll talk about michael myers all day long and uh assorted other horror characters hell yeah yeah i'll just echo that i like thank you for having me back it's it's always so fun but but i guess to echo another point i think yeah like horror is just so great and i think everything we've talked about with michael and just the franchise as a whole the way it's changed and the different timelines and the different things that we have going on and the different things that michael represents i think is just like a perfect encapsulation of like what horror means to people everyone comes to it with something different and that's why it's so awesome to get to come together and talk to other fans i surprisingly don't get to talk about michael myers with a lot of people um so it's always fun to hear everyone's different thoughts and you know and I mentioned before my podcast co-host like really likes Halloween ends and so we like regularly you know talk about it but other than that like I don't get to hear a lot of perspective on the trilogy as a whole like I think we talked a lot about kills in a way that I might rewatch kills like try to give it a little bit more credit and 
or even for like four like people love to talk trash on four five and six and people like to talk trash on rob zombies and like so i think we did a really great job at like giving kudos to each of the eras of halloween so so i guess thank you for a good conversation like i never get to talk about all of that in one sitting (laughs) yeah and you know i love I love Mikey Mai Mai. I think people who listen to this show know that by now. Um, I mean, I love a lot of a lot of these characters. And but, you know, you guys are awesome to talk to. I'm so happy I was able to bring you guys together because that's what horror is. It's making friends. It's because uh, we're all, you know, we're from all over the place. We have all sorts of different experiences. Yet these scary, sometimes silly, sometimes disturbing horror cinematic works of art like they just bring us together no matter where we're from or what our experiences are we could all dig a little mikey my my so <laughs> i'm gonna start saying mikey and mikey my my i'm now i'm now taking that no one's gonna know what i'm talking about but <laughs> i'm holding i'm gonna hold the uh i'm gonna hold it for you buddy I'm yeah, gonna make next, sh- <laughs> next time someone asks about my tattoo i'm gonna be like it's mikey my my because people always go <laughs> people always ask if it's jason and i'm like oh yeah mm. how dare they I'm, i just like nod i just nod and smile because i'm tired of hearing it but next time i'm gonna be like no it's mikey my my <laughs> there you go well, I, i'm gonna make shirts and when i do you guys are getting a free uh a free one on me <laughs> Nice. Could always use another Halloween shirt. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to ask this of both of you, but I'll go with you first, Brett. Um, anything you got coming up and where can people find you and your work? Sure. So um, I am on the internet, uh, brettmillerfilmmaker.com. I produced a film called Hayseed. Uh, one of the, I was one of the producers on, on that film. It's a feature film that is going to be released. It's a, uh, it's murder mystery comedy it's a little more uh, fun it's it's not as not a horror film but it's uh still we had a lot of fun making it um that is going to be we're doing a short little theatrical run in new york uh, los angeles and detroit also back home for uh, a couple of uh for a week before its release uh the week of thanksgiving so that's coming up um just had a film i wrote called beneath us all that was just released uh, it's on it's on all digital release so go check that out and then, uh, yeah, short films and other fun stuff are all on my website. So Awesome. And you, Vanna? Yeah, pretty much any social media platform that pops up since there's so many nowadays. Pretty much everywhere at Siren Death Cult. I do have um, a blog. I write some reviews on sirendeathcult.com. Um, I have a podcast, the Carnal Extremities podcast. We pair up an extreme horror film with an extreme uh, music offering and yeah, you can find us on like Apple, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. And yeah, my first feature in Fangoria, the October issue, the Saw X cover story. I got to cover Saw and I wrote uh, a little essay about how the meaning of Saw and existentialist philosophy in the early 2000s, which kind of ties back to a lot of the things we talked about today, Um, you know, with the societal fears. So yeah, that's pretty much pretty much it. My other podcast is on hiatus for now, so we won't talk about that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much for being on the show. This was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. 
Thanks again to Brett and Vanna for joining me to talk Mikey and my, my and for being such good homies to the podcast. Don't forget to check out their socials because they are both doing big and exciting things. A reminder, I just became an affiliate for Fangoria, one of the premier brands in horror. I definitely recommend checking out their magazine and even subscribing. And if you decide to do that, don't forget to use the promo code WouldYouDieShow for 20% off your entire order. You can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at WouldYouDieShow. Also, now you can follow me on TikTok at WouldYouDiePodcast. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can also find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend Josie Palmer. I hope everyone enjoyed this surprise Halloween episode. This is the episode this week, so there's not one dropping tomorrow. I I can't do two in a row. Uh, these these episodes take a little bit to edit, but um. I worked pretty hard over the weekend to get this one out a day early, so I hope you enjoyed it. I thought this conversation was awesome. I'll talk horror with y'all next week. Until next time, I'm Austin Torres. Happy Halloween, and try not to die.